0: The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. Uh, so I'm joined by um, Melanie Chisholm, otherwise known as uh, Melanie C, otherwise known as Mel C, otherwise known as Sporty Spice, otherwise known—I was amazed to discover—as Fluffy,
1: <laughs> <Tuffly. laughs> Fluffy, Fluffy. Fluffy, Fluffy, Fluffy. Yes, that's my porn name. Um, <laughs> you know, it's how you discover your porn name. Not that I've ever done porn, obviously. Um, yes, it was my first pet was a rabbit called Fluffy. And my mum's maiden name is A very toughy. violent rabbit. Um, A very violent rabbit, yeah. It started out as a very cute bundle of joy. <laughs> I loved it. I would pet it. I would cuddle it. In fact, the day I got it, it was in a hamster cage. It was that teeny tiny. And it ended up being a monster that did not like to be touched by humans.
0: And to remind <laughs> us, th- the way that you get your poor name is you take what? First pet and mother's maiden name. Yeah. Well, the way, of course, you got the, the Mel C <laughs> thing is by virtue of... <laughs> the, the link with Mel B, he says, segueing away from pornography as quickly as is possible. <laughs> the book is very interesting, apart from Rabbits, because it's very interesting in a couple of things. It's very interesting about the experience of, of fame. It's very interesting about what it's like to be that famous and to have that much uh, tabloid attention. It's very interesting on the commercial aspects. But I want to talk to you about the the becoming famous, because what I hadn't realised is how fast that process went. You went from being effectively making ends meet trying to get dancing gigs to private jets and limos in LAX in Mm -hmm.
1: 18 months, two years? (laughs) It's really funny because the first time we were flown to LA, we'd signed with Virgin Records. It was 96. We got together in 94. So we'd had a couple of years working behind the scenes, absolutely trying to make ends meet, you know, really struggling. A couple of the girls were homeless at one point, you know, doing a bit of sofa surfing. I was staying in a friend's room. The other two girls went home. So, yeah, you know, there was money was tight. But we were flown to L.A. because they really wanted to sign us at the U.S. label as well. And we were picked up in a big stretch limo. So, you know, you can imagine at that point we thought we've made
0: it. But you pretty much did. I mean, when Wannabe came out, the immediate overnight, that's it, you're in. It must be an extraordinary experience to go from the kind of position because you had grown up with, as we'd say here, living on the clippings of tin, you didn't have a lot of spare cash Mm -hmm. available to you, to suddenly being neck deep in five star hotels and jets. You make a, a, you have a thing in the book where you say that often the characteristics that make somebody want that make them unable to deal with it when they get it.
1: Was that your feeling? I do. I, I think it comes with the territory for a lot of performers a lot of people who seek fame and celebrity. You know, I I, I think personally for me, I, I felt a little bit of an outsider within my family setup. And I felt like I needed to make a place for myself in the world. I wanted to feel needed and wanted and adored and noticed and all of these things, which obviously come from a very vulnerable place. So then you find yourself there you know, if you're lucky enough to be successful. But, you know, like everything in life, there's good and bad in things and there there are dangers in that environment, too.
0: And some of that, I assume, is driven by like your experiences. You detail in the book how the I think it's the Queen's Silver Jubilee. You talk about a picture there of you being, I think, five years of age, the last time that the sort of the family unit was won and that you were contented, you went from then to a situation where your dad left, where your mum left to pursue her career, but still to a large degree left you on your own devices. Mm. That has to be very difficult at that age.
1: It's strange, isn't it? Because whatever happens to you as a kid is your normal. So you don't question it at the time, but as you get older, you realise how these things have affected you. And it was difficult. I mean, I feel like you know, in the 70s, it was very different to how it is now, you know. It's it's a sad thing, but lots of marriages break up now, you know, lots of relationships and family setups, you know, they don't work out. But I remember my mum being quite unusual in taking that approach and thinking, you know what, I'm not happy in this situation and I want to change it. So, yeah, she went... Um, she took me and we went to stay with grandparents for a little while. And yeah, it changed everything. And it was so hard for my dad and, you know, and hard for my mum in other ways. She had to start again and and she worked really hard all week. She'd work in offices all weekend. She would perform. So that did mean me being left with babysitters and childminders quite a lot. But what's
0: interesting, I suppose, we talk about the difference in the 70s. Maybe it is because divorce is a more common thing, particularly in the UK now. But there's that sense that you still co-parent, that the parents still act as a unit, even if they're not together all the time. You said that the, the first time that you so, literally saw physically your mum and dad together after they left, something like a decade had passed, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, you know, obviously dad had come and pick me up. So there'd be that kind of doorstep moment. Um, but yeah, not to be in the same room because there was just never any reason to, you know, and, and things were always amicable. They were, in fact... You know, sometimes I feel, oh, gosh, I wish I'd handled some of my, you know, parenting moments and, you know, the breakdown in the relationship with my daughter better because my mum and dad never had a crossword in front of me. You know, I know there were arguments, you know, before they split up and I was very little. But all those years when he'd be dropping me and picking me up and, you know, all those shared Christmases and everything, they were, you know, they were really friendly. And I never knew there was any animosity.
0: You described then that thing of that sort of sense of wanting to to be somebody, to make your mark, to, to get that I mean attention sounds pejorative because it sounds it, it sounds as if it's selfish, but it's that sense of belonging. Did that come with the early stages of Spice Girls? Because the sense when you read it is there was an awful lot of control and there was an awful lot of, of negative control. I mean the story of Chick Chick Chick. Chick. Yeah, you do a somersault, and at the end of it, Chick says something to the order of I, I'm amazed that you're able to do that with thighs like that. Mm-hmm. I think. Jesus, these are the people to whom, you know, you know, you're dependent on for your career. That's tough.
1: Yeah. So he was the financial backer of the first management that auditioned us and, and put the band together before we kind of went on and found our identity and became the Spice Girls. And, he, you know, it was very much of his personality. He was a bit of a joker. He was, you know, he probably just felt it was a very throwaway comment but it was it was something that just stuck with me and i felt quite humiliated because it was in front of the other girls as well and it just made me start questioning the way that i looked for the first time you know made me go wow do i actually look the way i need to look to achieve the dreams i want to achieve when i will i do the the door. Door. Oh, hopefully like it's that a that kettle, kettle. <laughs> I've been trying to make a cup of tea I actually buy Barry's tea at oh, home <laughs> So we're in this hotel Which is a very fancy hotel And they all have these fancy coffee machines I don't want a coffee machine I want to make a cup of tea And what they do is They go, well you can get hot water from the coffee machine And I'm like, it's not hot enough to make a proper cup of tea um, <laughs> That's about as diva <laughs> As I get yes. I must Kelsey. have my tea Oh
0: my god, but, what a handful yeah, she so is with I her tea needs
1: saying, I, I buy Barry's tea in England because I have lots of Irish friends and they really appreciate it.
0: <laughs> As in you have committed yourself to Barry's tea or you have <laughs> it for the Irish when they arrive in?
1: Well, I I have lots of Irish friends so most people I make tea for will be my, yes, my Irish folks.
0: On the topic of <laughs> Ireland. Ireland shows up very positively in your view because it's the, uh, the Croke Park Um, show is where the Spice Girls come back together and it seems to be one of the most positive and enjoyable experiences you had on stage.
1: Absolutely. And one of the really defining moments and reasons I wanted to write the book. So many things fell into place and just to talk about Croke Park and Ireland, I mean, there's, this so many memories for the Spice Girls here. We started our world tour in 1998 here at what was then The Point. We rehearsed and lived at the K Club for many, many months preparing for that. And personally for me, Dublin has a very special place in my heart. I, I have, you know, family here a couple of generations back. But being a girl from Liverpool, there's there's such a kinship, there's such a shared energy in the cities. And um, yeah, as soon as the first time I came here... I just felt like I'd come home. It was it was a really strange feeling. So I'm always excited to be back.
0: We were talking uh, before the uh, kettle arrived about um, the experience of the the fame and the kind of pressures. One of the things that's very interesting to look back at from the lens of now is the behaviour of the media. Mm. Because whatever we all know, British tabloids are intrusive. But the level of the intrusivity, you you cite one instance where they had effectively like a, they would do like analysis of sports games and circle bits of celebrities' bodies and say, Here's Uh a failure, here's a problem, here's a flaw.
1: There was a a real obsession with women's bodies. I mean, I think there still is to a certain extent. But at that point, it was just very brutal. And yeah, they would point out, you know, if you had a little bit of a sweaty underarm or there was a little bit of a bulge here or there. And that's hard, you know, because... Everybody has feelings and and nobody wants to be criticised in that way. Um, I I feel like things are better now in the sense there's much more celebration of, you know, body diversity. And the aesthetic has changed a little. You know, in the 90s, it was very much people on magazines predominantly were, you know, were very thin. The overt
0: criticism and the acceptability of that overt criticism. You know, it was hard. It seems, and I suppose to, when, to anybody looking in, there's a sense of, well, she's famous and she's rich, therefore her skin is thicker. But it's evident in reading the book that the two don't go hand in hand.
1: Yeah, and it's tough, you know, because I think there's also this, this belief like, well, you asked for it you know, you wanted to be famous, you wanted to be in the public eye, and it actually does come with the territory. But I think when you're a young person, and you have these hopes and dreams, and you work really, really hard to try and make those things happen, you're lucky if you do become successful. But nobody asks for that and you know, is that really human nature, that that's how people are, you know I think especially the British tabloid media you know, they, they they give the public, the British public, a bad name because in my experience the general public have been nothing but nice to me, they've been lovely I see people, every day I'm approached by people coming over here, flying over from Manchester, nothing but love and adoration, you know, so many people who adore the Spice Girls and it's only really, you know, nasty tabloids that have said really horrible things.
0: But I'm, I'm I'm intrigued by how much that got to you and gets to you. Like, I think of you at the Brit Awards saying to Liam Gallagher, come have a go if you think you're hard enough. You, you look at somebody like that and you think, ah, nothing gets to them. But it, I mean, it got to you hugely there are points where you describe in the book getting to the stage I mean you say that you never had thoughts about ending it but you had thoughts about it not wanting to begin again the next morning
1: yeah so around the millennium I was very very poorly and very very scared because I didn't understand what was happening to me and I went to my GP I couldn't cope dealing with things on my own anymore and I was diagnosed with depression and I was already struggling with eating disorders.
0: I mean you know that all cliche I've never compared somebody's outside to your inside but your outside was tough, balshy, confident, always on top of it and then we discovered that you're going to bed in the evening and hoping the sun doesn't come.
1: Yeah and you know and that was a little bit later you know that the Spice Girls years what I call the spice mania years in the, the late 90s, mid to late 90s that was kind of when all of these behaviours and patterns were starting to develop and I was in denial for a lot of it. And it was really when I couldn't cope anymore. So it was, you know, more like the millennium around that time. And yeah, you know, it, it was painful and, and anybody, you know, sadly, a lot of people do experience similar things. I just didn't know whether I could face another day. Um, and that's a an horrific thing to, to ever think, you know, to be to be that sad, you know, and, and in that much pain.
0: The other thing that is, I thought was very interesting was the level of confidence and commercial acumen that you as a group showed. Because there are a number of instances where you make very hard-nosed decisions <laughs> about either bandmates or about managers. The first being the removal of Michelle. Mm-hmm. That took no
1: prisoners. <laughs> I know. I mean, sorry, Michelle. Um, and she is a lovely girl. But she didn't have the same single-minded vision the other four of us did and she was questioning do i want to pursue music do i want to go to uni and yeah for us that wasn't dedication enough so we yeah we we made our feelings known and she didn't last much longer
0: and the same then happens with your first effectively management team there's a yeah. decision that says yeah. nope
1: yeah. Done. We we got really frustrated with them because we've been working really hard and you know they accused us of, you know, trying to run before we could walk, which um, was, was very true. You know, it was good to have those development years to get to know each other. But they were also starting to put us in a direction that we didn't think was right for us because we were singing songs that we had no part in the writing of. And they talked about having a lead singer and they talked about us dressing a certain way. And we were just like, you know what, this just doesn't feel right for us. But
0: even that, there was there was a commerciality underpinning that the knowledge that the publishing rights were what made the difference. So it wasn't just that this is, we are being prima donna and artistic about our desire to write songs. Mm -hmm. There's a commercial
1: now that says, no, 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 we want our publishing rights. So many things that happened to the Spice Girls were kind of a a really good accident, you know, like that, for example, because we felt we had something to say and we thought middle-aged white dudes, Writing music for us, we were like, how are people could identify with that. you know we felt like we had something we wanted to say. so it was important to us. And then when we met Simon Fuller and he went on to become our manager, he was like, "Always be a democracy. you know split everything five ways." And that was such good advice, and we always you know the Spice girls were so different. that is the defining. Thing about the Spice because you know the individuality But even
0: that was an element of your own control that was an element to say no we won't be forced into being en vogue and be modelled on each other we want the individuality which for five women who at that point have no commercial artistic success Mm -hmm. it's a very brave choice yeah i know i mean like why simon fuller then that was a brave choice
1: yeah i mean things could have been very very different couldn't they and you know we can look back with hindsight now and go oh god we made all these great decisions but you know they could have been the wrong decisions just for whatever reason and we do all truly believe the stars were in alignment you know what happened it was all meant to be We shouted about girl power. We experienced sexism within the music industry. We decided we wanted to be a girl band for girls. I mean, that grew into something so much more than we ever expected. But, you know, that was just what was going on at the time. All of these things were bubbling under. And we had this opportunity and became the poster girls for that movement.
0: The one bit then with that that surprised me is at the point at which you're talking about all of that kind of power, you are surprisingly controlled. Because when you look at your own experience, I mean, you talk about the kind of limits that were put around all of the, the girls in the band. But your own instance, you're not allowed to have boyfriends.
1: Yeah. And I, I wouldn't say it was not being allowed. It was more like it was actively discouraged because, you know what? And again, with hindsight, he kind of had a point. I was vulnerable. There was stuff going on with me, you know. And I always, you know, will will explain this time as being one that was completely unprecedented. Sometimes the best decisions weren't made. And that was one of them. But do you
0: not resent that? now? I would have thought looking back and saying I was at a point in my 20s when, A, I could have used some partner, I could have used somebody to be there with me to share it with me, Mm -hmm. where it's a fundamental part of most people's lives at that age. Mm -hmm. When you look at some of your bandmates, I mean, the way you talk about Victoria and David and the way that relationship worked. There is evidence of it being good and positive and benign. Do you not look back and think, why was I prevented from that?
1: But the thing is, they might I might have been actively discouraged. It doesn't mean that I didn't.
0: <laughs> you know,
1: because, you know, we're the Spice Girls. We don't do as we're told. Um, but that was just, you know, management trying to make sure everybody was doing or having, getting the thing that they needed. Um, But it it was, it wasn't helpful to me because it made me start questioning myself even more, you know, I was very controlling about the way that I looked. I was becoming more and more obsessive about the amount of exercise that I was doing. The schedule was grueling. And, you know, even my behaviour, I wanted to control my behaviour. I wouldn't, I wouldn't allow myself to to drink or to drink to the point of being drunk, because I didn't want to do anything where I didn't feel like I was in control of my actions. So yeah, that just made me, you know, feel at times that I couldn't have an emotion or I couldn't allow emotion to creep in. I had tasks, they had to be accomplished no matter what. And yeah, and I did say to myself at times, you know, you're a robot.
0: But overall, the sense that you get is that the last number of years, particularly after the birth of your daughter, which you describe in great length and very vividly, I have to say, <laughs> makes That's me very glad to never have there. to go through it. <laughs> <laughs> but are you in a better place now than you have been?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, I, you know, I think it continues to improve. There's there's blips, you know, life has its ups and downs and continues to throw things at all of us. Um, But yeah, it took me a long time to feel well and to feel confident that I don't feel like I would ever get back to that place, that really difficult, dark place. I don't want to be arrogant enough to say that depression will never return because sometimes it does. You know, sometimes I I, I feel those feelings, Um, but now I understand it. You know, I know what it is. I know ways of keeping it at bay or at least taking care of myself until it passes. Uh,
0: One thing I I wanted to ask you about, what do you make of your um, apparently fairly close friend, Prince Charles, becoming king?
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, my obviously, you know, it's been an an interesting time um, back home and it's all a little bit surreal. You know, my generation, my mum's generation, we've only known the Queen, you know, and the first thing that I thought was, oh, my goodness, when we broke protocol all those years ago, bottoms were patted, cheeks were kissed, lipstick marks I were left. I think the cheek kissing <laughs> you can get away with. The, the <laughs> bottom grabbing thing, as far as I know, is as I far know. as you can get beyond it's protocol. It's not really 2022, is it? <laughs> but... You know, he's now king, so it kind of makes it even more shocking. Do you have a number? Shocking? Can you text him? <laughs> Just text him, Soz, what's him? The
0: other thing that I have to say in, in, in conclusion, because there is so much in it that there is a lot more that I could talk to you about. The one that came as a huge revelation was that you are the subject of a filthy, lyriced chili
1: pepper <laughs> song. I know I mean how so how amazed. cool how cool is that to have a Red Hot Chili Pepper song inspired well, by you let's be doing the, the big Rubits. spectrum of
0: selling out <laughs> world tours of having more number ones than had ever been seen in humanity. all that stuff sort of, like it does pale a little bit into insignificance. insignificant <laughs> the book is a very entertaining read it is Melanie C Who I Am My Story and it is of course by the one and only Mel C Sporty Spice thank you so much thank you so much The Anton Savage Show Saturday morning at nine on News Talk.